So when we meet Jesus and we declare that He is the Son of God, immediately you become a son or a daughter. Immediately your identity is given to you. That we are loved and that we are grounded and rooted in His love and we know that we're His kids, then all of a sudden we get to understand what we're made for, what our purpose is, which is where inheritance really begins. Intimacy says God chose you and He loves you. Jesus Christ died for you because God loves you that much that He wants relationship with you. You can't perform it, you can't earn it, you have to receive it. Hi everyone. Hey, it's been a while since I've been up here. Um, I think the last time I was up here, I cried through my entire message and then needed a break. So <laughs> I'm back, yay. Um, it's so good to be up here and see all of you out there. If you are new, if this is your first time coming to Living Waters, welcome. We're so glad you're here. If you've been along the journey with us over the last several, several, several weeks of Hebrews, we are in Hebrews 10. If you haven't heard some of those messages, I encourage you to go listen to them. They are amazing. They're on the podcast, lwrv.org slash something, podcasts or something, or teachings or something, something. So Danny's looking at me like, you should know this. Don't talk about things you don't know. Anyway, um, so Hebrews, better covenant and carriers of his presence. This is a better covenant that we are talking about. And uh, if you didn't listen, if you weren't here for David's message last week, my message picks up where his leaves off because that's how kind of the chapters go. And so um, he did an incredible job last week of talking about and illustrating the reality of the sacrificial system and the Day of Atonement and the priests and how they you know wait for that one time a year to go in and atone for the sins of of Israel. And it's just this continual continual process of sacrifice. And so in Hebrews 10, we pick up right there after this example, this full, complete um, 10 chapters of explaining the system. And so it's explained the Old Testament system and the law and how it operated. And so we're going to pick up at verse 1 in chapter 10. And what I'm going to do today is I'm going to take this in chunks and try to give the themes in chunks. So if you have your Bible or a device that can look up the scripture, We're going to read from the ESV version of the Bible today. So join me at Hebrews 10. So it starts at verse 1. For since the law has but a shadow of the good things to come instead of the true form of these realities, it can never by the same sacrifices that are continually offered every year make perfect those who draw near. Otherwise, would they not have ceased to be offered since the worshipers, having once been cleansed, would no longer have any consciousness of sin? But in these sacrifices, there is a reminder of the sins every year, for it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Consequently, when Christ came into the world, he said, sacrifices and offerings you have not desired, but a body you have prepared for me. In burnt offerings and sin offerings, you have taken no pleasure. Then I said, behold, I have come to do your will, O God, as it was written of me in the scroll of the book. When he had said the above, you have neither desire nor take pleasure in sacrifice and offerings and burnt offerings and sin offerings. These are offered according to the law. Then he added, behold, I have come to do your will. He does away with the first in order to establish the second. And by that, we, we, uh, by that will we have, bleh, sorry, and by that will we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. 
And every priest stands daily at his service, offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God, waiting from that time until his enemies should be made a footstool for his feet. For by a single offering, he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. And the Holy Spirit also bears witness to us for after saying, this is the covenant that I will make with them. After those days, declares the Lord, I will put my laws on their hearts and I will write them on their minds. Then he added, I will remember their sins and their lawless deeds no more. Where there is forgiveness of these, there is no longer any offering for sin. So I want to pause there for a bit and just talk about something that I think we really need to see here. I want you to notice the imagery that's being talked about here. Notice the imagery between and the contrast between the priests of the law and Jesus. Because as it describes the priests of the law, there's this frantic imagery of day after day, year after year, over and over and over, bring in the line of animals, the bulls, the goats, the everything to kill, the blood everywhere, over and over and over and over and over and over and over again with absolutely no relief. Catch that imagery. Every day, every day, every year, every day, on and on, on and on, no relief from sin. No relief for our consciences. No freedom. Every day, over and over, over and over, every day, every year, no relief. No forgiveness truly for sin. And Jesus in one act. It is done. The imagery of the priests rising in the morning, preparing for the sacrifice, till the dusk, over and over, Jesus sitting down and putting up his feet. Do you see the contrast in the imagery? Frantic, anxious, religious, continual, no relief, no rest, no peace. Over and over and over and over and over, Jesus reclining. Do you see the contrast between the contrast between the old covenant and the new covenant and this picture that the writer of Hebrews is bringing into such poetic and profound imagery in that under the old system there's no peace there's no rest there's no cleansing but in the single act of the shedding of Jesus's blood we are at peace and rest And then we all took a collective deep breath. It's from that place and that example of that perfect imagery of the single act of Jesus cleansing away our sin, taking our striving away, taking our fear away, taking our burden away, that it then goes into the next passage which is subtitled, The Full Assurance of Faith. Therefore, which we always, whenever there's a therefore, you look at what the there is there for. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain that is through his flesh, and since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, 
with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Now, when David last week was talking about the system, the sacrificial system and the high priest and going through the veil to offer the sacrifice in the day of atonement, one detail I didn't hear him say on the podcast, so I'm gonna bring it up here. Did you know that the priests on their, on their robes had bells on the bottom of their hem? Do you hear the bells? I hear them ringing. Anyway, um, the reason for this is because when the priests went into the Holy of Holies from the holy place to offer their sacrifice on that one day of atonement, once per year, if they were not ceremonially clean and perfect enough, they would drop dead in the Holy of Holies. So you have, by the way, they also have a rope tied to their ankle. So literally, you're listening for the bells. And if the bells kind of make a thud and stop, uh uh-oh pull out the priest, you know, it's like, but can you imagine, can you imagine being on the receiving end of that? The sacrifice for our sins this year have not been adequate. We have to wait another year. Because that little dingle behind the veil, that one. (laughs) If it's, if he's not It's all over, folks. And the tension that that brings for another year. And yet this is saying we can with full assurance know that the veil has been removed. When when Christ's body was torn, the veil was torn. He made a way for full access and confidence, confident access to the God that only before once per year could we have our sins atoned for? And we get to run into it with full, true hearts and assurance of faith sprinkled clean. So then it says in verse 23, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful. What are we holding on to? What hope are we holding on to? That our striving ends with the blood of Jesus. Now we are cleansed clean with the blood of Jesus. That we are not cut off from God because of the blood of Jesus. That religious, frantic effort ends and we are at peace because of the blood of Jesus. That is what we hold on to. Now this is wonderful parts. This is a wonderful part of Hebrews 10. This is the hopeful, like, if you're doing your daily devotional, start at verse one. If you are one of those people who go, where am I supposed to read today? <laughs> you hope it's verse one. I hope for you that it's verse one. Because this takes a little bit of a turn here. At verse 25. So 24 says, and let us consider how to stir one another up in love and good works. Hooray. Everybody, hooray. And then it says, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encourage one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Now, I wanna, I wanna bring this into context because we need it to be in context because verse 26 gets real dark if it's not in context. 
Ryan has said, as we've been walking through this, the historical context of Hebrews is that these are people that had been in the Jewish faith who had accepted Jesus and were walking out of that old religious system into faith in Jesus in a time where that system was still going. And there was a lot of pressure and persecution on that group of, of new believers. And let me just say this, we don't really have an understanding of that right now because we are American 2019 Christians. And although there might be something we might classify as persecution out there, you can actually not go on Facebook and you're okay. <laughs> you can unsubscribe and you're good. Like, we, can, we relatively walk in a, a much more favorable season, even though it's not as favorable maybe as it was in the 80s when it's like, quick and, you know, but now we aren't, we don't have the same reality here that these Hebrew Christians were living in. And so the reason I say that is I want to give a context to this because as he says, don't forsake meeting together as is the habit of some. There was a group of believers that were under the pressure that they were under, which was severe, were abandoning the faith of G in Jesus and going back to the old religious system. Now, I want to present this to you. How severe will that have to be in order to go from peace to year after year, day after day, do all the things, hope that God forgives you? How severe does it have to be to give up the peace of Jesus for going back into frantic religion? I would say it's probably pretty severe. And the temptation was to abandon faith in Jesus and go, and go back to the old religious practice, which is the context we need to understand verse 26, where it says this, for if we go on sinning deliberately after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a fearful expectation of judgment and a fury of fire that will consume the adversaries. Anyone who has set aside the law of Moses dies without mercy on the evidence of two or three witnesses. How much worse punishment do you think will be deserved by the one who has trampled underfoot the Son of God and has profaned the blood of the covenant by which, was sanctified, by which he was sanctified and, was, and has outraged the spirit of grace for we know him who said, vengeance is mine, I will repay. And again, the Lord will judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living God. <laughs> that is not the passage you hope you point to in bullseye devotionals in the morning. <laughs> Holy crap. That will ruin your day. And here's why. This is time for honesty and crowd participation. <laughs> oh. How many of us, after coming to know Jesus and receiving him as our savior, struggled with a habitual sin? Now for some, thank you. For some of you, <laughs> let me contextualize this according to age group. Older people, besetting sin. Middle-aged, habitual sin. Younger folks struggle, addiction. <laughs> we have to clarify. How many of you, and you don't need to, you're not gonna name it, but we know all, everyone knows what mine was. But um, <laughs> how many of you by show of hands have struggled, and I'll even clarify this, 
in the past have struggled with a controlling life of habitual sin. So that you don't have to admit to something current, let's just admit in the past we once were like that, but now we're okay, Drew, but maybe once upon a time after Jesus. <laughs> you know, how many by show of hands have struggled with an habitual ongoing sin in your walk with Jesus? Yeah, I thought so. If you come to this passage without context, you're toast. For if we go on sinning deliberately after receiving the knowledge of truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins. If we don't have the context of this, if we don't understand it, this is, isn't it just like the enemy to take a passage of scripture that is meant to free us from the burden of slavery and then use it to enslave us? You see, this is one of four warnings so far in the book of Hebrews. There's actually five that, that Hebrews cycles back to in warnings. The first one was in Hebrews 2, 1 through 4. It says, therefore, we must pay closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. And it talks further on. I won't go into the whole thing, but it talks further on about what God has shown and that what he has shown is the sacrifice of Jesus to save us from our striving from the salvation offered through the blood of Jesus. Second warning was Hebrews 3, 7 through 4, 13. It's a big warning. And it's a very pictorial warning. I won't go into all of it, but it, in, verse, in, in the verses there, at verse 12, Hebrews 3, verse 12, it says, take care, brothers, lest any, there be in, in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. And then it says in 13, but exhort one another every day as long as it is called today that none of you may, may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. And it, it kind of flashes back to what we just read in 10 of like those who have forsaken and fallen away and the encouragement of continue meeting together and encourage one another all the time. It's the same morning. In Hebrews three, uh, no, sorry, Hebrews six, four through six. This one again is a big sour thing if you do bullseye devotionals. <laughs> and how many of you, just by groan, have read this passage before and felt condemned in your very being? For it is impossible in the case of those who have once been enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift, who have shared in the Holy Spirit, and have tasted the goodness of the word and the powers of the age to come, and then have fallen away to restore them to repentance again, since they are crucifying once again the Son of God to their own harm, holding him up to contempt. I know I'm not the only one. Context is so important this. I want to say this so that we, we understand it. Scripture has one meaning. Every scripture has one meaning. It means what it means to the original audience from the intent of the author. It has one meaning. The author of Hebrews had one meaning in these warnings, and it was to that specific group of Jewish Christians who were looking at the persecution before them and the offering of Christ's sacrifice for the remission of their sins. And they were turning away from that to the old law and the sacrificial system and saying, no, Jesus' blood is not sufficient. This is. One meaning. It does not mean that if you, with a, as a person 
of faith in Jesus, if you struggle with a continual sin that is a struggle, it is not saying there is no forgiveness for you. It is not saying you are shaming Jesus by your continued human struggle. It is not saying that no sacrifice remains for that sin. In fact, let's go back to what we just read in Hebrews 10 at verse 17 and 18. I will remember their sins and their lawless deeds no more. Where there is forgiveness of these, there is no longer any offering for sin. Jesus forgives us of our sins. It says in his word, if we confess, he is faithful and just to forgive us. And therefore, if we are forgiven, there is no sacrifice necessary because none is needed because ultimately the blood of Jesus is the only thing we need. And it is the only thing that can cleanse our hearts. It is the only thing that can remove the stain of sin from us. It is sufficient and finished. If you are struggling, welcome to the family of God. We struggle. We're all in the struggle bus sometimes. It's okay because it doesn't depend on us. That is what we're freed from. Is that encouraging? Well, don't, you're not off the hook yet. <laughs> All scripture has one meaning, but it has multiple applications. Multiple applications. So this meant, some, this meant one thing to the Jewish believers. What is the contemporary reality that we can now apply to our lives? Because scripture is here to teach us and instruct us. I know that I am not tempted to sacrifice goats and, and bulls. Probably not your struggle either. If it is, we should talk. But <laughs> it'd be an interesting meeting. That's probably not your struggle. But I can tell you what my struggle has been in life. And I can tell you from memory almost 20 some odd years back when I confessed, when I, when, I, when I confessed to the Lord, let me clarify, my sinful relationship with another man. And I repented of that. My temptation, how this verse applies to me, was I felt so guilty by the stain of that sin that I did everything I could in religious fervor and in guilt, and in shame, and in a desire to be better. I did so many things to try to earn the love of God. Day in and day out, every day, over and over, never ending. I'm a servant by heart and nature. I just, I love serving people. But one of the dangers of a servant-hearted person if you're into the Enneagram, a two. One of the dangers of that person is to find their value in what they do. And you combine that with guilt and shame. Fourteen hours a day, five days a week, 
constantly ruminating on what can I do to make up for what I've done. I was a full-time student, I had a full-time job, and I put in 35 hours a week of volunteer work at my church. What can I do? What can I do? What can I do? I may not have had the inclination to sacrifice a goat, but you can guarantee that I was forsaking the blood of Jesus for what religious fervor I could do to make up for my sins. That is a temptation for a lot of us. Nothing we can do will ever, ever, ever take the place of the finished work of Jesus. Another temptation that we might have, and it seems a little topsy-turvy, but it's true, is that we might begin to believe that we don't have anything to confess or repent of. This is a little backwards way of looking at the same warning. See, in our culture, we, you know, the, I've, I've experienced this quite a bit where I, you know, if you, back in the 80s, it was like when we had all had a lot of guilt and shame and religious condemnation. It was, it was an effective thing to say in sharing the gospel, Jesus loves you because you really didn't believe it ever. And so that was profound. But there's sometimes in our culture today, you can say to someone, Jesus loves you, and be like, right, I know, because I'm amazing. <laughs> and it's like, okay. Uh, <laughs> sure, and? <laughs> there can be this rejection of the blood of Jesus, not because not because we think we need to work our way into salvation, but because we diminish the significance of the disparity we have with him when we're not under the blood. We need the blood of Jesus. We need the blood of Jesus. There is, there is, no, there is no offering, there is no forgiveness for something we don't admit we need forgiveness for. Now, please, when I say that, I already feel this tension. You can ask my wife. I was like almost schizophrenic yesterday preparing this message, this part of this message, because my fear in saying this, I go back to a place in my memory where in my old religious upbringing, my fear was if I had unconfessed sin and I went to sleep and then a spider crawled into my mouth, bit me, and I died. Like, this is where my mind goes. Like, <laughs> you know, it's like... If I had something that I hadn't like confessed to God, then that sin would send me to hell because unconfessed sinner goes to hell. Please do not hear me say this when I'm saying what I'm saying. God is so good and his mercies are new every morning and his understanding to our hearts. I, oh, there's, God is so much better than we can imagine that he is. That being said... If we continue in ongoing, unrepentant behavior and sin, our hearts will harden. Our hearts will harden to his voice and to his spirit, and he will not leave us, but we might leave him. And so I want to sandwich the enormous, amazing grace of Jesus that is displayed in this message, I can't get away from the fact that it's warning us of something too. And that is of a hardened heart. That when we cultivate sin and we cultivate this stuff, our hearts start to harden and we don't believe in him anymore. 
We don't believe in his goodness. We don't believe in the gospel. And so I have to say it to us as, as believers now and here. We can run to him in our sin. We need to run to him in our sin. He knew when he redeemed you what your sins would be. He knew every struggle that we would encounter on this journey and he saved us still. And he invites us to come every day if need be. Not in frantic effort, but in glorious invitation and reception of his cleansing blood. His mercies are new every morning. Every morning. Every, every morning. So this is a a little bit of a heavy kind of landing point for that. But I felt really compelled by the Lord to share it. Because I'll, I'll tell the truth that, of course I'll tell the truth, I'm Drew, I'll tell the truth to everyone. <laughs> truth. <laughs> My heart has broken over the years multiple times watching this very principle play out where when we stop agreeing with our need for Jesus daily, when we stop recognizing what in our life needs the blood of Jesus. Our hearts harden to him and soon we don't even care what he says about anything. So this is both the invitation to receive rest. But in our rest, we have to know what that rest also invites us to and that's cleansing. See, that's the two things that the sacrificial system stole from the priests. They could never rest and they were never cleansed. So, is that good news today? So I I feel compelled to do something also. Oh Lord, help me. Um, I need to land this plane first and the the scriptures, so, because it doesn't end there. Uh, The final thoughts from the chapter 32, uh, I'm gonna just paraphrase, a little bit of paraphrasing in this. Verses 32 through 39, it says, to recall the days of when we were enlightened and you endured in hard struggle and suffering. Um, it talks about just that, that beginning of faith where we joyfully embraced the struggle that would come with faith. And for some of us, we, that's not the same kind of persecution, but for, for I know for me, that was a putting to death of a lot of things in my life. That was... Um, a lot of tension of wrestling through forgiveness. There was a lot of things in my early walk with the Lord that I had to fight through to walk in deeper faith with him. And I think that's the same with every believer. And then it gets to 35. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward, for you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised for yet a little while, and the coming one will come and will not delay, but my righteous one shall live by faith. And if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. And 39, but we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but those who have faith and preserve their souls. How? By faith. By an active faith that takes and receives the gift given to us through the blood of Jesus. I'm going to do something that I've only ever done 
an hour ago in the first service. Um, and Because I, I want us to activate our faith in this. I come from, like, I've been involved in church my whole life. And back in the day, like, one of the things that I loved, I loved, I loved the old hymns, particularly the hymns that talked about the blood of Jesus. There's something about the blood hymns. Also, they're kind of gospel-y, and I really like that. You know, it's like, hey, you know, it's a, it's a thing. But there's a, there's a hymn that I, that, is a remedy to the striving, and it's a, a hymn called There Is a Fountain. And the verses, if you could put them up here that, that I'm gonna look at today, says, there is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins, and sinners plunged beneath that flood lose all their guilty stains. Lose all their guilty stains, lose all their guilty stains, and sinners plunged beneath that flood lose all their guilty stains. Then the next verse Ere since by faith I saw the stream, thy flowing wounds supply. Redeeming love has been my theme and shall be till I die. So I'm going to do something. I'm going to invite you to stand. And we are going to sing these two verses. And if you don't know this song, one good thing about the hymns is they're catchy. And if you don't know it or you don't feel confident singing a cappella to a song you don't know, just receive it. But we are going to sing this together and remember, and remember that we can rest in the blood of Jesus shed for us, that all our guilty stains are gone, that no matter what we face, redeeming love is our theme. So... I'm nervous. <laughs> All right, we're going to do this. There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins. And sinners plunged beneath that flood lose all their guilty stains lose all their guilty stains lose all their guilty stains and sinners plunged beneath that flood lose all their guilty stains ever since by faith I saw that stream thy flowing wound supply redeeming love has been my theme it shall be till i die it shall be till i die it shall be till I die. Read.
redeeming love has been my theme and shall be till I die. It shall be till I die. It shall be till I die. Redeeming love has been my theme. It shall be till I die. Go in the grace and the mercy of Jesus, knowing our sins are cleansed and washed away. Amen. God bless you guys.